You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be speaking for a few moments on this topic, why do we go? Why do we go? And uh, just before we get into it, if you'll join with me in prayer, over the remainder part of the service, we're going to join our voices together at this time. God, we are so thankful, once again, that we're able to come together in this place. God, and we've come together to honor your great name, to give you all the praise and all the glory here today, Lord, and I pray, Jesus, that you would work in this place, through your word, to speak to each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some grew up in homes where Sunday was just another day. The day that came before the dreaded Mondays. And for others, Sundays was a rat race. No one was ever ready to leave on time. The whole family competed for the bathroom. Dad was already out of the car honking the horn. Bumping into each other, scrambling for breakfast in the kitchen, wolfing down our food, bolting for the door, and arguing with each other all the way to church, where we suddenly start acting like angels as soon as we hit the parking lot. And in all the craziness, you may have asked yourself the question, why do we even go? All of the young mothers that sit through church services just to get up a million times to console your screaming child and pick up toys that they've thrown into the next pew, you may have asked yourself this question, why do we go? I didn't hear anything that the preacher said. I was in the nursery for the first two songs. You go to school to get an education so that you can make a living. You go to work to make money so you can pay the bills. You go to the gym for exercise and better health. You go to the mall to shop for clothes. And the grocery store to buy food. You go to the lake to fish. But church, why go there? Why get up early on one of your few days off? Why go through the hassle of dressing up and getting the kids ready, fighting with them all the way? Why go to the trouble of finding a parking spot near the front and a pew space near the back? Why go to church? Is it sort of like punching in on a spiritual clock or earning brownie points with God? Going to church can be the most spiritually fulfilling, inspiring thing that you do all week. If Sundays aren't the best day of your week, then you're doing it wrong. And I invite you here this morning to open up your Bibles to Psalm 22. And in this psalm, David writes about a time when somebody invited him to attend church with them. I want you to see how David responds. David says in this very first verse, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Does that sound like a guy who'd rather roll over and hit the snooze button? David got excited when he was invited to go to church. He was glad. He rejoiced. He couldn't wait to get there, but why? Why was David fired up about the thing that so many people try to avoid today? What does he know that 
Many don't. For the next few moments, we're going to dissect this 122nd Psalm so we can understand for ourselves the importance, the necessity of going to God's house. As we walk through the rest of this Psalm, David, he lays out three very important reasons why he was glad to go to the house of the Lord. First, he talks about the praise of God. That's what I'm going to find there, the praise of God. Second is the people of God. And lastly, he talks about the peace of God. In verse 4, David gives us the first reason to love church. He writes in verse 4, that is where the tribes go up, the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. Put another way, I love going to church because I love to praise God. If I don't get anything else at a service today, Lord, let me just praise you. Church services give us the opportunity to gather together and worship our Creator. When you think of praise and worship, what do you think of? The Hebrew word that's translated in this passage, sacha, is meaning to bow down, to bow down. I think of this as we talked about on Friday, how Les Lincoln would make his way to the front and bow down right here in the front of the pulpit. We bow down. In many ways, that's what praise and worship is. Bowing in reverence before a majestic and mighty God. But it's also a celebration. In another psalm of David, the Bible describes it like this. Psalm 29, he says, Praise the Lord, you angels. Honor the Lord's glory and power. Praise the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord because He is holy. Amen. He is the Holy One. The essence of worship is simply this, giving God the praise that He deserves. To worship is to applaud His greatness. In the context of Scripture, it is both an attitude and an action. It begins as an attitude of mingled awe and reverence in our hearts toward the Lord. And then it explodes into action through prayer, praise, and the proclamation of God's goodness and grace. And that's exactly what just happened here this morning. We can no longer hold it in. It needs to be said that God is great. It needs to be said that He is high and lifted up. We worship Him because He is worthy. And out of that abundance of praise, an atmosphere is created where we can come in and we can worship His great name together. There's something that rises within us as we are moved by the presence of the Lord. And we begin to outwardly express our inner joy of just being in this moment. It may have been that all week you haven't sensed God near you. You haven't heard His voice. You haven't experienced His grace in any form or fashion. But as you enter the doors of the church, something awakens within you as Christ begins to stir begins to stir you towards Him. Grace, mercy, love, acceptance, forgiveness all meet you here. And you can't help but express it. David, he writes in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, he says, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. Sing to Him. Yes, sing His praises. Tell everyone about His wonderful deeds. Exalt in His holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. 
when we praise God, we praise him when we pray to him earnestly. We praise God when we give to him and serve him with integrity. We praise God when we listen to his word eagerly. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, it says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Anything and everything you do can become an act of worship when it's done to the glory and praise of God. Yes, you can worship at home, in the car, at the office. But let me tell you here this morning, give me church. We've realized that the blessing we have to congregate together is of necessity because we know what it's like to go without So give me church. Give me time spent with God, worshiping together with the body of Christ. David gives an invitation to worship. He writes, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify God. You know what that means? God becomes bigger in our eyes and in our hearts as we stand in awe of his indescribable beauty. His wonder, His majesty, His grace, His love, that's worship. It's not a religious obligation, it is a privilege. It's a privilege to sit where you're sitting here today. It's a privilege to be able to join together with the body of Christ and lift up our hands in adoration and awe for our God. It turns from something that we have to do into something we get to do. God never intended worship to be dull or dreary. Okay, let's get this over with. Just the opposite. That's why the Bible says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with praise. Joyful song. He is God. He has no beginning and no end. He is holy in every way. He is faithful. How many know that He's faithful this morning? Has he been faithful to you? He is faithful. He is love. And because he is God, because he created us, because he has loved us, we worship him. But something remarkable takes place when we worship God. Something transpires within us. We are changed. We become like what we worship. Take a look at zealous sports fans, for example. Well, they might not begin to physically resemble the athletes on the field, they carry the same heart and spirit. Stand a fan side by side with a member of the team at the end of the game that they've just won and try to tell the difference between who's more excited about that win. Much the same, we capture the heart and spirit of God in worship. In the Old Testament, Moses, he went up onto Mount Sinai to commune with and worship God, and he was changed by it. When he came down from his mountaintop experience with God, his face literally glowed from overexposure to God's glory. And the people were afraid. So he had to wear a veil over his face until the glowing subsided. Talk about some side effects. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it describes to us in the Bible that when we worship in the presence of God, we reflect his glory. It says, as all of us reflect the Lord's glory with faces that are not covered with veils, 
we are being changed into his image with ever-increasing glory. The promise is that when we worship God in spirit and truth, he will come and commune with us. Just being in the presence of God changes us. God responds to your worship here this morning as you reach out to him. Don't think that he doesn't take notice. Every time that you call out his name, every time that you lift up a hand, every time that you shed a tear in the presence of God, he notices. He hears your prayers. God responds to your worship by making your heart more like his. We need that, don't we? When we come to worship so broken and bent out of shape, so full of sin or shame or stress or exhaustion. Oh, but when we spent time with the Father, when you stood in the presence of God, that mountain that you've been staring at all week doesn't seem so big anymore. That depression that's held you captive in the precepts of your mind loses its grip. That's because as you worship, God's glory begins taking up space inside of us. Oh, how I love to worship. How I love coming to church services. Just give me church. Give me church. The second reason that David gives to us here this morning to love coming to church is this. He highlights this reason saying in uh, verse 3 and 4, Jerusalem is built as a city where people come together. That is where the different families go, the families of the Lord. The temple or the house of the Lord was located in the heart of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem became a gathering place for God's people. Isn't that beautiful? Another translation puts it this way. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. In other words, I love church because I love the people of God. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> One person loves me back. That's all I need. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, I love the people of God. I love coming together and getting together with the people of God. It's not just some formal gathering that we dress up for and do our ritual uh, every single service. That's not what it is. It's the strength that we gain from being with the people of God. It's the community that we sense that gives us strength. Church is about people. It's about family. You've heard it said, it isn't something that you attend. It's something that you are. You are the church. The Bible uses a lot of metaphors to describe the church, but the most persistent is that of family. In the New Testament, believers call each other brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. The book of Romans describes our adoption into this family as children of God. You're a child of Christ. The church itself is called the household of God. And in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes this. He says, now you are not foreigners or strangers any longer, but you are citizens together with God's people and also members of his household. You belong to God's family. Somebody say this morning, I belong. You belong here. You belong to God's family. You are his child. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. The church is your spiritual family. Being included in God's family is the highest honor and the greatest privilege that you will ever receive. 
a place that's more welcoming than your much-loved and much-worn recliner at home. It's true. The Bible says that He has grafted us together. Grafted us. Think about that for a moment. He's fit us together. That's the way that we are made. Not to be isolated, not to be alone. Even in the perfect paradise of Eden, God said it is not good for man to be alone. We are not meant to live Lone Ranger lives. Rather, we are created for communion and community. You might be able to praise God at home or even in the car or even up in the deer stand, but you cannot be a part of a family if you are in isolation. A Christian without a church is like a home without a child, uh, without a a child without a family. And today's culture of individualism has created many lone rangers. Being part of God's family means connecting with each other, laughing together, crying together, dreaming together, worshiping together. In fact, the Bible says that Christians are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together fitted together, held together, and will be caught up together. There's a lot of togetherness in God's family. And today, many people believe you can be a good Christian without attending a local church, but God would strongly disagree. There are far too many commands for Christians that can't be completed in seclusion. Take a look at some of these one another verses, for example, in, in uh, John and in 1 John, it talks about love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. It talks about in Romans. It says honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Let us not judge one another. It tells us to accept one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. How did that get in there? <laughs> Teach one another. Serve one another in love. Be compassionate and kind to one another. Encourage one another. Talks about that in Hebrews. And in 2 Peter it says, offer hospitality to one another. I don't know if the Word of God could be any clearer. We need one another. Turn to the person beside you and say, I need you. The Bible says... In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, And now this word to all of you, you should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Belonging to God's family is a precious gift. We all need a family that will love us even when we're unpleasant. Forgive us when we lose our patience. Help us to live at peace with each other. God has given each one of us a mission and ministry, and none of us can do alone what all of us can do together. Belonging to God's family provides us with the strength to get more done by working together. And because of you, because of our church family, I know that no matter what struggles or burdens I face, I'll never have to face them alone. I know because of this church family, whatever struggles you face, you don't have to face alone. Whatever things that you go through, you've got a brother or sister that'll 
wrap their arm over your shoulder and say, we're with you. We're praying with you. We're in this together. Amen. Amen. We don't have to face things alone. If I could have the music come back at this time. First, David describes being invited to the house of the Lord and standing at its door. And then he describes all the people that are gathered there, the families of the Lord. And then he tells us what they are gathered there to do. They're there to praise the name of the Lord. But finally, in the closing verses of this psalm, David writes this. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. David talks an awful lot about peace here in these last verses. He prayed for the peace of his family and friends and all those that gathered at the church that day in Jerusalem. Talks about the tribes of the Lord gathered together for a day of praise and worship. And as they departed, David says to his family and friends, peace be with you. If we could all stand. In fact, the Hebrew word shalom, which is translated peace be with you, is a common way to say goodbye in the Jewish culture. It is a blessing. It means may the peace of God go with you. I know that it's not, it's not possible for us to be together 24-7, encouraging each other all the time. And while that may be the case, peace go with you. Peace go with you into the highways and the byways. Peace go with you into your work. Peace go with you into your home, into your marriage, into your family. Peace go with you as you make the decisions that are necessary. Peace go with you. In the New Testament, Paul expected peace to be the hallmark of church members. He writes in Colossians chapter 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. Now I can, I'm convinced that when we do church God's way, we'll experience the peace of God like we've never experienced before, not just on Sunday, but it will go with us. And I don't know about you, but I need God's peace. I need God's peace in my home. I need it in my family. I need it. And so today, that's what my prayer is. My prayer today is we've gathered together, we've come together, and we praise the Lord together. And here's the thing. God doesn't just call us to believe. He calls us to belong. The entire Bible is the story of God building a family that will support, strengthen, and stir one another up to love and good works. And He created you to be a part of it. Somebody say, I'm a, I'm a part of that. So why do we go? Because this is where we belong. Because when we praise together as the people of God, we will experience the peace of God that we so desperately need in our world today. That's why we come. 
That's why we come. I don't know about you, but my my heart today is give me church. Give me time together with the family of God. Give me a moment to praise you, Lord. I need your peace to cover me today. That's my prayer. Just give me church. Give me church. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.